Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Awesome. Well, Jesus, we just want to praise your name. You're so good. And, uh, and yeah, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd move this morning. God, I thank you so much for everyone here. And God, it's so cool just to think, um, just to think of everyone here and how you made them. Um, you crafted them. You made them with a purpose. And, and you love them. And you have a, a, a word for them today, God. You're such a personal God. And so God, I just pray that that would be experienced uh, this morning, Lord. That, that even I'm the only one speaking out loud. God, we know that you're speaking in this place, and you're speaking to hearts, and so that's, that's what I asked that would happen, because we know that's where the impact is. God, it's when your Holy Spirit speaks to us. So God, speak to your sons and, and daughters in this place uh, today, and we just, yeah, we pray that you'd be glorified in this place. Amen. Right on. Well, uh, the Winter Olympics have started. Anyone, has anyone watched some Winter Olympics? I love the Winter Olympics because it's really cold outside, a little bit easier to watch TV, and Canada wins. I don't like summer because some other country is always winning, um, but we, we win some medals in winter, so that's really great. So yesterday morning, I was watching ski jumping, just a wild event, right? They're going down this, this massive ramp, and they travel up to five seconds in the air. They're just floating there, which is really crazy. But what really boggled my mind is how... How do they measure where they land so accurately? Like, what, what is going on there? That, that was rattling in my mind. And, and something about me is I, I need to figure out how that happens. And, and if I don't, I don't enjoy the event. So that was just going on in my head, keeping me up last night. But actually, this morning, someone messaged me. You heard the service yesterday and said, hey, this is actually how they measure the ski jumping. You actually have to take a course and you have to be a licensed ski jumper measurer. So, so that's how, in case you all wanted to know, I'm sure you didn't, but now you do. <laughs> um, but that's important, right? It's so important because these people train for years and years and years and you need to measure that accurately. To, to give out the, the appropriate medals, right? Uh, another place that measuring is really, really important is in our faith. And so we're in this series called Simple Faith. And today I want to talk about how do we measure our faith. Uh, and the Bible says a lot about how we measure our faith and a lot about how we don't measure our faith. So what I'm, what the, my points today are actually going to be how we don't want to measure our faith but in talking about how we don't want to measure our faith, we're going to realize, okay, this is how God's word is saying that we ought to measure our faith. The first way that we don't want to measure our faith by is how we feel. Faith is not measured by feelings. And this can be tricky, right? This can be tricky because feelings sometimes can feel um, so real. And, and if we're feeling off, it's like, well, my, my faith must be off or if, you know, we're going through a hard season and we're discouraged, we think, okay, this means I must have no faith. And we read James, right? James chapter 1. We're going to be in the book of James a lot this morning. So if you have your Bible, if you're in James, that's going to cover a lot of the ground that, that we're going through. Uh, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. That, that, that uh, verse is so easy to say, right? It's so easy to say. It's so easy to get up here and, and preach. And sometimes when I'm going through the trial, I'm like, but I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, it's, this is hard to consider a joy, right? Consider a joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perse- perseverance finish its work so you might be mature, not lacking in anything. So it's really saying that when we're going through a trial, what a trial is doing is it's testing our faith. When things are hard, this is where the rubber hits the road in regards to our faith. And it's going to reveal the faith that we actually have. Right? Um, When things are maybe going smoothly, it can be easy to follow God. It can be easy to go do the right thing. When when things are hard and stacked against us, this is where our, our faith actually has an opportunity to grow. Right? Because despite maybe how we feel, this is where we get to considerate joy. And that considerate joy, I realized this passage was slightly frustrating me because I was reading it this way. Feel happy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Right? Sometimes this passage is like, I don't, I don't know how this actually works. But it doesn't say feel happy, does it? No, it says considerate joy. And that word consider, if you look it up in the Greek, it really talks about to rule, to command, to have authority over. It's like, hey, joy. This situation is about joy. And joy is not a surface level happiness, right? It's a deep sense of joy. It's an expectation of something bigger. You're seeing the bigger picture when, when you have joy. It's not necessarily that you, you feel just really happy and woohoo but you see the overarching joy in what you're going through. I love it where it says, it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. I don't know if he was, I don't don't think he was happy, right? He knew everything he was gonna have to go through, but he saw the joy in what his sacrifice was gonna bring. He saw all the sons and daughters that were gonna come home to him, that the veil uh, of the the temple, the curtain of the temple was gonna be ripped in two, that he was gonna pay the punishment for sin and bring his sons and daughters home to him. This is the joy that brought him through that trial, right? And so as we're going through trials, um, we might not have feelings of, hey, awesome, I feel great, but we still can see the bigger picture. We still can consider it joy, and that's, I think, what true faith does. It supersedes feelings. It supersedes feelings and makes decisions beyond our feelings. True faith isn't just dictated by how we feel, right? Look at Ephesians. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. What a powerful thing. In your anger, don't sin. So anger is not a sin, right? When Jesus says, when someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him your left, you know, sometimes you read that too and it's like, how am I supposed to feel great about that? It doesn't feel, it doesn't say feel happy, you know? When someone slaps you on the right, have a, just be happy and then give him your left. It says give him your left, right? We're not to retaliate but doesn't say feel happy, you're probably gonna have a sense of anger, right? And in that place of anger, you have that decision. You have that decision to follow your flesh, you have that decision to follow your spirit. And then it says, uh, this is powerful too, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. 
And, and then it says, to, and give the enemy a foothold. What we don't want to do is camp in that anger, right? Camp in, in that, that thing that, where someone wronged us. We don't want to camp there and sit there and be ruled by that and stew on that where we create this anger stew because the anger stew is going to be served, right, to somebody else. So this is where I think tr- sometimes we, we maybe think true faith is measured by how we feel. It's not. It's measured by what we do despite our feelings. Um, this, is, this is kind of how Paul defines repentance in 2 Corinthians, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. So sorrow, we're feeling sorry and sad for what we've done. That's good, right? It's good to feel sorry and sad for what you've done. If you don't, I don't think you'll repent. But the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no... Uh, regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. I like how Claude defines repentance. Repentance is, let's say we're, we're on a train going to Brandon and we want to go to uh, North Dakota. If we know we're on the wrong train, repentance isn't knowing that we're on the wrong train. Repentance is getting on the other train and moving in that direction. Right? It's a turning, and it's, a, it's, it's really legitimized. Repentance is legitimized by our action and what we do. It's not just legitimized by, oh, I feel bad for that. Right? So we don't want to measure faith just by how we feel. We want our faith to see the bigger picture and to supersede feelings. Right? We want to hope beyond what we presently feel. This morning, someone said, you know, I asked them how they're, how they're doing, and they said, it's a, it's a day closer to spring. <laughs> Amen, right? doesn't feel a day closer to spring, but it's a day closer to spring, right? And we, we need to see that bigger picture and, and have that hope. We're, we're a day closer to heaven and God's kingdom, and his kingdom is here and now, and we need to see that, that picture and have faith um, that, that goes beyond what we presently feel, even when it's crazy cold outside today. I like that. That was good. Um, Next, James talks about that faith is not just about hearing. In James 1.22, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. There's, you got to do what it says. Just a little later in verse 25, it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed by what they do. So there is a need to look into God's word, right? There's a need to hear God's word. It says in Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing the the word of God, the rhema of God, God speaking personally into your heart. That's where, that's the source of faith, right? God ultimately is the, the source of our faith and faith comes by hearing. But in the, in the hearing, there's, there's a few things that are happening that need to happen, right? There's a hearing, but then there's got to be a trusting and a believing and a holding fast and a continuing and a perseverance and an obedience. And, and if it's truly faith, it's going to express itself through action, right? This is when we know, okay, we are not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word and our faith is legitimized by what we're doing, and so what we need to do is we need to persevere, right? We need to not just hear the word, not just come every Sunday. We need to put that into practice. And this is what 
Jesus said is the difference between the wise and the foolish man. Right? They both heard the words of Christ. The wise man heard the words of Christ. The foolish man heard the words of Christ. The wise man put them into practice. And that was like building his house on the rock. The foolish man did not. And he built a house. He had maybe an image of faith. But what revealed it in the end was when the storm came. Right? When a trial came and there was a testing of faith, the foolish man's house crumbled and the wise man's house stood the test uh, of faith through the storm. And the parable of the sower, right? You have these seeds that are planted in the ground and, and a, a few of the seeds sprout. You know, a few of the seeds see something come, but, but some of the seeds are, are choked by, by thorns and the worries and the desires of the world. Some seeds, again, when trial comes, when the sun is scorching them, their roots didn't go deep and they, they burnt out. Um, and some of the seed was planted on rocky ground, but there was one seed that, that continued and had a, a huge harvest, right? So we, we need to hear the word, but we need to be doers of the word. And so faith is expressed not by hearing, but what we do. And James chapter 2, again, he goes on to say, faith is not just measured by our talk and what we say. James says, what good is it? My brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So is James saying here that we are saved by our works? It almost seems to say that, right? It almost seems to say it. It can such a faith save a person if they have no deeds? The, the answer to that is kind of no, he's saying. But James is not saying you need to be saved or you are saved by your works. Ephesians says, for, for, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourself. It's a gift from God, not by works so no man could boast. So how do, you, how do these passages go together? They seem like they're, they're butting heads, right? It seems like they're, they're warring against each other, but they're not. They're in perfect unison. Ephesians, though, is talking about the root of salvation. You're saved through Christ. You can never do enough good things to get into heaven because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It's a pure, 100% gift. You're saved by grace. And James, what he's talking about is the fruit of salvation. The fruit of salvation and the fruit of faith is, is good works and, and deeds. There's going to be evidence that you have of real faith. And so sometimes we read these passages and we say, we get a little nervous, right? And we, get, we, we start saying, what is he saying? James is saying that, that if, you're a, if you're a Christian, just, just think about what it means to be a Christian, right? It's not a title. It's not just something we passively believe. If you're a Christian, you believe Jesus came to earth. He died for your sin. You believe that and, and you, you stake your life on it. And you say, God, I'm gonna give up my life for you, to you. I repent of my sin and I don't wanna live my way. I'm dying to the old. I'm being raised to the new. And now your Holy Spirit is gonna live inside me every day and I'm gonna yield to it. I'm gonna be led by it. I'm gonna be empowered by it to love those around me and to build your kingdom. If that's truly what we believe, is that gonna show? That's gonna show 
right? That really is going to show. It doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but the grace of God will transform us, and that will show in our works when we have true faith. True faith shows in your life, right? It's not just in our talk. It's, it's in our walk. I can, I can say to Valerie, hey, Valerie, I, I trust your, your driving, but if I never get into a car while she's driving, do I trust her driving? I don't, right? Then if I, if I clearly hop out every time she's about to give me a ride, I don't trust her driving. But in all reality, I do trust Valerie's driving. And, and I don't think my manhood is damaged by saying this, she's a better driver than me. She, she really is. I, I drive like, like an old grandma, very cautious. <laughs> and uh, when we go, to, we've driven in like New York, we've driven in Puerto Rico. It's always Val behind the wheel. I, I just know it. And I, I have faith. I have more faith in her to drive than I have in me to drive. So it's always Val, you're, you're driving, right? I can navigate. That's, that's hard, right? Not everyone can read Google Maps. So <laughs> takes a special kind of person to do that. <laughs> But I have faith in Val's driving, so she has the wheel in, in these situations. And if we have faith in God, God's not going to be a backseat driver, right? We're going to give him the wheel. He's going to be in control. He's going to be making decisions. We're going to be yielding to where he wants us to go. We're going to be reading our word and saying, hey, God, you're in control. And so my life is shaped around you because I trust you and I have faith in you. And so faith, what really faith truly is, it's a, it's a trust built through relationship that shows in our decisions, in our actions, and in our life. Amen? If you read Hebrews 11, it just talks about a, a bunch of people who had faith. It's, it's, I like to call the chapter the hall of faith. And it's just saying, hey, by, by faith, Abel gave a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, people did this. By faith, People did stuff. It showed in their life. It was tangible. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't an idea. By faith, these, this is how these people trusted God. And that's faith, right? It's not just a matter of talk. It's a matter of walk. It's a matter of doing stuff. Um, the author Bob Goff, I like how he defines faith. Faith is loving God, loving others, and doing stuff. <laughs> I love that. It's really simple, but a lot of Christianity is really simple, right? And as a church, that's what we want to do. We want to love God, we want to love others, and we want to do stuff. Um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break here. I couldn't get this commercial in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to take the commercial uh, right now. Um, It's been really fun to do a lot of stuff with you guys as a church, and one thing that we're doing right now is it's, it's called Care Portal. So uh, Child Family Services and Central Station, they bring needs uh, that, that are in our community. So people need a bed, like housing needs. They bring those to me. And the Care Portal is, is an email that I, I fire out to, yeah, a few of you are on that. And if you want to join, just go to gmchurch.ca, click the signups tab and Care Portal, and you'll start receiving those emails. And that's the commitment. It's just receiving emails. And it's not like you have to respond to everyone uh, because sometimes it, like we, we had uh, a mother who actually just had her baby on Tuesday, a single mother. If you can pray for her, that would be awesome. I was so encouraged. 
I sent out an email and I left my computer for 15 minutes and all of a sudden it, it just blew up. I was like, whoa, okay, we got a lot of, a lot of stuff here. I was, I was so excited. It was so cool um, to be able to bring all of these things. And actually, as we, as we brought things earlier that day, someone donated an extra uh, queen bed and a queen, uh, bo- uh, queen box spring and frame. We didn't have the mattress, but we had the box spring and frame. And so we went to deliver these things, and we kind of asked, you know, is there anything else you need? Sometimes that's a little bit of a scary thing, you know, maybe they'll ask for a house, or I don't know, but it was so cool, because the mother said, well, she has a a queen mattress, but she doesn't have a frame, she doesn't have a box spring. And it was so sweet, because I literally got to say, like, like five minutes ago, we put that in our storage unit, and so now, now it's yours. It's just so cool to do that. And, and there's so much need. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. This is fun, right? And as we've been going into these people's homes, it's, it's honestly broken my heart a little bit because you see this, the, the need, you see the situation. Um, and, and we're giving them some physical goods, but we want to do much more than that, right? And that's where that next task is pretty huge is to c- care for them emotionally, spiritually, build a relationship with them, but this is what I want to be, right? In 1 John it says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not um, love God, um, the one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen, right? If we love God, it's going to show in the way we treat others. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If we love God, it's going to show so as a people, I, I just want to caution us to not just talk the talk, right? We don't want to come here on Sunday and put on a, a pretty face and, and treat other people like trash. We don't want to come here on Sunday and, and sing, sing a, a song that sounds really good. It sounds like we're, we're doing uh, amazing, right? But we're not living that out. Do you ever catch yourself singing a really intense song and it's like, Whoa, that, that was intense. Um, we, sang, we sang a song this morning, the new wine song. Did anyone catch that? That song, that song is intense. I'm going to read some of the lyrics. In the crushing, in the pressing, you're making new wine. So it's, it's kind of saying like, yeah, I'm a grape being smushed. But it's good that I'm being smushed and crest and pressed because there's this, this wine that's coming out of that. In the soil, I now surrender. You're breaking new ground. That all sounds uncomfortable. But yet I yield to you and to your careful hand. And when I trust you, I don't need to understand. Oh, man, this is tough stuff. <laughs> Make me your vessel. God, I just want you to flow through me. That's all I want. Make me an offering. That's really saying like I I lay down my whole life. Make me whatever you want me to be. That's a hard one, right? Because sometimes I have an idea of what I want to be and perfectly yielding to God and saying just make me whatever you want me to be. That's challenging, right? So I just pray as, as a church, when we come here and we hear the word and we, we sing these songs, they're awesome songs, but we take them seriously. And there's some times where I sing these songs and I just say, God, help. <laughs> help me to do that. Like when we sing, I surrender all, 
It's like, Jesus, help me to surrender all. I, I, I need your grace. And, and you just start praying that because what we, the last thing we want here is we want to come and, and hear words and pray nice prayers and put on a face and sing nice songs, but then it's not showing in our life, right? That's where, that's where we're being uh, hi- hypocrites. And we don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be play actors. We're, we're playing a Christian, but we're not living it in our lives, right? I was uh, at McDonald's the other day. It's where you can usually find me. <laughs> um, it's too good. Uh, but uh, it was in the Morden McDonald's, and, and some, somehow I started talking to this gentleman, and the conversation, uh, we, they started talking about Winkler. And, and he said, oh, Winkler, it's what we call the, the, the city of hypocrites. <laughs> Whew, Yikes. And so I told him, well, I'm, I don't live in Winkler. I live in, <laughs> I live in Morton. <laughs> no, no, I said, hey, I, I've lived in Winkler my, my whole life. And I don't even exactly remember what, what I said for the rest of that conversation because I had this, all of these inner thoughts. Like, it, it hurts you, right? It hurts you to hear someone else calling, you know, the town that you grew up in a, c- a city of hypocrites. And that's it's not how I want to be seen. And, and so it was a battle, like as I left McDonald's, it was just a battle of, is that, is that true, God? And I, I don't think it was totally true, right? You can't just call the whole city hypocrites just because you had a few bad interactions. But at the same time, I don't know if it's totally not true, right? I don't know if it's totally not true. Um, in, in our lives, there's maybe moments where it is, but there's maybe moments where it isn't. So it just brought me to a place of, God, help me not to do that. God, I pray that the, the city of Winkler would just be known for, for its love and by its love, like disciples should be known. Not that that love will always be acknowledged in the pro- appropriate way, right? There still is an aspect of, of the world not liking Christians like Jesus said, but, but I want to be known for, for love and I, I don't want to be, I, that, the last thing I want to be is a hypocrite. And so the last thing that faith isn't measured by is faith isn't just measured by our belief system. James 2 continues to say, in the same way, faith by itself not accompanied by action is dead. If someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Again, it's really simple. Faith lives itself out. It works itself out in real life. It's not just a, a belief. You believe that there's one God? Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I, I'm so grateful in Winkler to have this heritage of faith that I've been given, right? And I was thinking about that as I grew up, how in school I sang the Lord's Prayer. In school, we, we did devotions, and all throughout Sunday school, just learning about God, I, I'm so grateful for that. But it's so easy where we're a, a, a city with I don't know, 40-odd churches, it can become a dead belief, right? It, beca- it can become a thing where it's just a, a heritage of faith. It's a, it's a set of beliefs that, that you, you were taught, that you kind of adopted, but it never, it never showed itself in your life. It, wasn't, it didn't become a genuine and real faith. And that's what I, we don't want to have. We don't ha- want to have a demonic faith where we just believe in God but we don't live it out. We want a genuine face. I, I, I love what Paul wrote to Timothy in, in his last letter, Tim, 2 Timothy. It says, I'm reminded 
of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So Timothy, same ball game for Timothy, right? When, when he maybe gave his testimony at a baptism service, hey, it, it, was, it was maybe similar. Hey, I accepted God when I was three after I finished a bowl of Cheerios. You know, it's kind of like, I've been a Christian. I, I grew up in this. I, I know this. This is what I've known. But there was obvi- obviously evidence of that faith in Timothy, Timothy's life, right? It, it, it wasn't a concept. It was a true relationship that was shaping his life and shaping his actions. And Paul was recognizing that. He's saying, hey, I'm persuaded that this is real. I see this lived out in your life. I see evidence of your faith, Timothy. So as we, as we gear towards wrapping up this morning, I just want to ask you a hard question. Do you, do you see evidence of faith in your life? When you take a measurement of your faith, and the Bible says measure your faith by, by your actions, by the way you, you treat people. It's not just what you proclaim. It's, it's not just you know, what you say with your mouth. It's not just a belief. It's, it's got to be real. It's got to be exposed to the way you live your life. Do you live your life to honor God? Do you follow his ways? Do you obey his commands? Are there actions that are proving your faith is legit? Does your faith succumb to just how you're feeling that day? Or does faith supersede what you're feeling and you endure and continue through those trials? And if you arrive at a place where you would maybe say your faith is a little bit dead. I, I'm going to read this, this last passage here. And I, 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 I'm just, this, 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 it cuts deep, this passage, but in such a beautiful way. It's, it's Revelation 3, and this is what Jesus writes to the church of Laodicea. Um, this seemed to be a city that was living hypocritically, right? So I'm not saying, I'm not blanketing Winkler with that, but this, Laodicea, seemed to be a city. That, that was playing a part but wasn't living it. And it says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And what I believe this is saying is, is what Laodicea was a city where water was brought in from miles and miles away. So what happened as the water came in from the mountain is it ended up being lukewarm. And so a complaint where you lived in Laodicea was the lukewarm water. So God's really saying, hey guys, the, the way you feel about your lukewarm water being gross and blah is the way I, I feel about you. So when it says be either hot or cold, it's like be useful, be of use. Don't be like lukewarm water that nobody wants and nobody needs. You say, this is what the town would say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. And I think this, this can be our lives in North America, right? Many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us, we have lots. We have all we need, right? We, we, we almost get to tell God, we, we can. There's a temptation where you can tell God, hey, I don't really need to, you to provide for me. I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I have everything I need. But it says, but you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch. That's a bummer. I counsel you to buy from me Gold refined in fire so you can become rich. 
white clothes to wear. The Laodicea, they manufactured a lot of uh, expensive linens and cottons. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This place had, had medicine for the eyes. And so it was saying, hey guys, I want you to invest in my kingdom. Don't invest in your own kingdom, invest in my kingdom. And then it says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. That's so beautiful, right? It, it, it's, like a, it's like a father when, it, when a kid has done something wrong. It's like, I, I'm not, you know, that's what my parents always did before they gave me a, a licking, right? Hey, we're doing this because we love you. We're doing this because we know, we know you're, you're better than this and we, and we want to do this not out of anger, but out of your own good. <laughs> Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Turn from your ways, right? And then it says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And that's, that's really the ticket right there. That's it, right? If we, have a, if we have a dead faith, the last thing that I want you guys to do is just try to say, okay, I'm gonna prove my faith by just going out and doing a whole lot of stuff until God thinks my faith is good enough. No, God knew, knows that that's not the answer. The answer is having a lunch with him. The answer is repenting and letting him into your life and having a meal with him, and letting him shape you from the inside daily where that's, trans, that's, that's living itself out in the way that you live your life, amen? Faith is not something that we can just manufacture. It comes from God. It comes from hearing. So I just, I just pray uh, this morning that we examine our faith. And if this is us, we would repent if we have a dead faith. We, and we would let God in and eat with him. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.